Please turn, if you will, today we finally will bring conclusion to this wonderful, wonderful uh, prayer that the Lord is teaching His people. We're looking in Matthew 6, and we look at the final part. When Jesus uh, heard the Pharisees praying and the pagans praying, He told His own, I don't want you praying that way. I don't want you pray to be seen of men. I don't want you to pray vain repetitions like the pagan. Here is how I want you to pray. Now, it wasn't as in some traditions, and Lutheran would be one, that you begin every service with a, uh, our Lord, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Beautiful. Nothing wrong with that. But I understand it to be at least issues he wants us to deal with in prayer. Number one issue, deal with the person of God. I want, by the way, the name of God is not G-O-D. That is not God's name. His name stands for all he is, all that he is, his attributes, his activity, stands for the complete being. But when you say God, you haven't said God, okay? Uh, When we say he leads us for his namesake, the namesake is not God's sake. For all that represents God. Father, I want to treat you as God. That's what it means to hallow him. I want to treat you as holy, set apart. That's where I start. And then your priorities, I want to be my priorities. Your kingdom rule. I want you to rule over the earth, and I want you to begin with ruling over me, my day, my choices, all my life. Then thy will be done, not mine. I am here because I'm trying to bring my stubborn will uh, and waywardness in conformity to your will and to your way. And so that you start with God the Father, his priorities. Then you move to three needs that Jesus assumes every human being has. Number one, your need for provision just to sustain life. Provision to sustain life. Give us this day our daily bread. So it doesn't insult God to talk to him about your need of clothing, housing, food, sustenance. And many of us have moved to greeds and we're far beyond needs, it seems, because of the abundance God has given. And that means we ought to, um, the way we ought to cure that is be generous givers. Because he said in Ephesians, we work to have money to honor God by helping others. So if you've got more than you need, give the rest away. Or do as much as you can. Then he says we need to pray for pardon every day. And uh, asking God to forgive us as we are forgiven. The closer you get to God, the more you'll be aware of how ungodlike you are. Uh, instead of saying, uh, you know, well, Lord, uh, forgive me for robbing a bank. You know, well, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. No, no, no. He, he moves in and x-rays, what are the things I'm failing to do that he's been telling me to do? Uh, maybe the deeds of love, the, the forgiveness, passing on the forgiveness. Uh, 
not holding it against them because they didn't meet their obligation to you. All of those issues that we dealt with last week. Now, we want to deal with the last part uh, where he says we need divine protection. And he teaches us this right here. He says, and do not lead us, in 6.13, do not lead us into temptation. What kind of temptation? But deliver us from the evil, and it's the evil, and many translations make it the evil one, which I would accept. And the idea is that behind this temptation, the evil one is orchestrating it. Because it's kind of interesting, God does tempt his people. And what's interesting is this word used for tempt was a word, pyrazo, that started out as a neutral term. It, it really meant to test. Uh, Count it all joy when you fall into divers, temptations, James 1, 2. We trans diver temptations. And it's taken, well, what is it? Is it temptation? What's the difference? Well, we take temptation to be seduction to evil. But it didn't start out that way. And so we, to get rid of seduction to evil, God doesn't test his people, does he? Uh, listen to Genesis 22.1. And God told Abraham to take his only begotten son Isaac and go to Mount Moriah and offer him up. He did this to test him. Wow. Go and sacrifice your son. I'm just testing you. Uh, and then God permits test. That Does it make sense that God would allow a wicked being to kill a righteous man's children? Well, he did. And ten children perished in a day. His assets, his house, and the last thing was his body, of which Satan wanted to kill him. But God said, you can't kill Job, but I'll let you do everything short of killing him. Boils, skin turned black, set in ashes, and left him with three friends. And oh, you don't want any like them. If these are friends, you don't need enemies. You deserve what you're getting, Job, because you've done something wrong. This can't just happen to a good man. Uh, an interesting verse that you might check out sometime, and you figure out what you think it means. In Samuel, it says, God tempted David to number the children of Israel. First Chronicles 21 says Satan tempted him. Who tempted him? 70,000 people will be dead before the numbering's over. Who put it in David's heart? Samuel said God was angry with Israel. I mean, so he puts it in David's heart to number the children of Israel. That doesn't seem like really bad, does it? Come on, I just want a head count. How many are we running? Well, you're going to run less than 70,000 when I get through, David. What was the sin? I'm going to count on the size of my army and not the size of my God. 
And God has a way of cutting down the figures, whether it's attendance in this church, how much money you're getting. God knows how to take away in a day, in a day. But it says both God and the devil tempted him. God tested him. Satan seduced him. Uh, Listen to James. uh, The man who overcomes testing shall be given a crown of life, James 1.12. What about Peter? Peter, you know what? Uh, You're going to be sifted by Satan. You're headed for a sifting, and you're going to do things you can't dream you're going to do because I'm going to allow the devil to sift you as wheat because you're too presumptuous, too proud, and you're not aware of how weak you are because tonight you're going to forsake me and deny me, and you're going to want to give up, but I'm going to pray for you that you'll come through it, but you're going to come through it sifted, you're going to come through it being and finding out things about yourself you never knew were possible. So every day of our lives, if I understand it, uh, we have an adversary loose that hates God, hates God's people, and Jesus is telling his disciples, it ought to be a concern of yours daily in prayer to deal with the issue of satanic temptations satanic thoughts, 2 Corinthians 2.11. Beware, we are not ignorant of satanic thoughts. We know when a thought is sponsored by the devil. How can we know that? We've got the biblical narrative. We've got scripture. We know he lies. He slanders. He questions God. uh, Just on and on, on and on. And so he says it ought to be a part of our prayer life to come before God and say, Father, I need help. I'm walking through a mine-infested world. I'm starting my day, and out there are traps for my eyes, for my mind. Uh, I don't want to be blown up today. Uh, I don't want to do anything that gets people killed, 70,000 under David. I don't want to do anything that may let me fall in the trap the devil's laying for me. Ask yourself, if the devil wanted to ruin your life, what would be the most likely thing he would tempt you to do? Where would he begin? Where would he work on you? There's a lot of places we can go. We can go to the temptation of Christ. But let's go to the temptation of the man who failed and got us all killed. Let's go to Genesis 3. Are you depressed? I know Thanksgiving's coming up, but I'm just telling the dilemma of our... I had a wonderful Catholic doctor, our family, Paul Ryan. He said, I love Christianity because only Christianity tells us how we got into this mess. It started back here in sin. It started back here in the wrong choice. Let's look at Genesis 3 as a template, and I'm going to try to give you some D's, D's for the devil, uh, that you can hang some temptations on and to identify them. Because, oh, you can say, uh, he's going to tempt me uh, with a woman. He's going to tempt me with uh, to steal something. It's more sophisticated than that, and we need to track out how the devil, uh, his major thinking and trapping of our souls. Listen to it. 
Chapter 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Seemed to be he was the smartest. How can a crawling creature ever catch the prey? He's smart. He outwits them. It's, he's using instinctive uh, genius to catch the prey. And he said to the woman, Indeed has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The first question in the Bible the devil asks. The first question. Uh, he doesn't really want to know. He's just baiting. And he'll always have you question God, won't he? How could God love you and allow this to happen? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not lie. The first lie in the Bible that brought death. No, it won't hurt you. It won't hurt you. Well, God made a rule against it. Oh, I'll tell you why pretty soon. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open. Ah, the God is keeping you from reaching your utmost potential. He's keeping you down. God is, he, he's a killjoy God. You, you need to realize your full potential. You'll never be on the know until you eat that fruit. You need to know. Why does God think he has to know everything? I want to know. But, but if you know, you, you'll pay for it. It'll cost you your life. Oh, you're, you're lying. The devil just told me I won't die. Okay, I want more insight. And you will be like God. Well, how can that be wrong? Aren't we all trying to be like God? Oh, not in his character, but you will become autonomous you will become your God. Well, well, come on, that's a step up for me. I, I'm going to know as much. I'm going to become my own God, which is atheism. I can't worship anything above me because I already found God, and it's me. Everybody's got a God. It's just, is it the right one? And so here, and I'll get to know experientially good and evil. I won't have to have God say, don't touch that. It'll burn you. Ah, why didn't you tell me? I told you. Why did you go ahead and do it? I wanted to experience it. But some experiences you don't come back from. You remember that line, sin will always take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. I'm going to touch it. Everything God prohibits, I want to touch. But remember, look at this. How can you tempt people that have got everything? It's the only time in life a man could say, I've got a perfect wife. And she'd have to say the same. My husband is perfect. Now, if a woman told me that, I'd say, you're deceived. <laughs> Ain't nobody that good. That can be good without being perfect, right? But perfect mates, perfect environment, perfect conditions, perfect relationship. 
How can you ever move out of a perfect state and ever sin? I mean, when you've got everything, surely you cannot be tempted. Well, we were. We were. We were. It was just the same with Satan. He had everything. He was the highest created being God made, and that wasn't high enough, so he staked everything on trying to go higher than God, Isaiah 14, and God cast him down and ultimately will put him in the lake of fire. He wanted to go up, and God said, there's five steps I'm going to remove you until you wind up in the lake of fire. We are idiots. We are sinners. We are deceivable. You don't have a chance in a million without divine help. If the perfect man already fell, look at you. Then they ate because the fruit was so delightful to the eyes, the devil always keeps his apples shine. Uh, beauty is one of his favorite tricks. You see, the devil has not lost his beauty. If you saw him, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, you'd want to worship him because he appears as an angel of light. We, uh, the inventors of Dante's hell and pitchforks and demonic drawings like around Halloween, none of that is the true devil. The true devil you'd want to worship. Brilliant, brilliant. He was corrupted in his wisdom, but before that, he was able to sell off one-third of all spirit beings, which would number in the millions, to follow his plan to rebel against God. He's the world's greatest salesman. And his favorite tactic, he will seduce you with beauty, not with ugly. It will end up ugly, but it starts out being pretty. It starts out, I've been catching rats. They've been eating my fruit. I got four of them. We're about ready to make stew. <laughs> but you know what? You've got to set that trap right. They got a little bit of instinct. You've got to, you know, you've got to be smart on those traps. They've got to be concealed. It's hard to catch. I have to go three nights before I get one poor little innocent victim. <laughs> and the bait of the enemy looks good. It appeals. That's why we're always trying to tell young people, don't take the bait like your daddy did. Don't take the bait your mama took. Well, well, mama, if it was so bad, why did you do it? Because I was dumb and young. Now I'm old, and I hope I'm not dumb. <laughs> hope I've gotten smarter. Why do we do it over and over? And every generation has to go through the same lessons. The same things, the same thing. Come on, we're made in the image of God. Here's the brain. We've got to be smarter than sin. No, no, it just looks too good to resist. Because we now, since we've fallen in Adam, have a built-in appetite for what the devil offers. It looks so good. You'll want it. I'll make a confession. As a diabetic, I should never eat a sweet roll. Any diabetics in the house? The craziest thing is going on. 
I go to Kaiser to pick up my medications, and the bear claw has a little <laughs> stand in there. I go down there to get my insulin. <sighs> Wait, why don't you get the bear claws out of the clinic? You're giving medication for diabetics, but you're sending those bear claws in a cinnamon roll with raisins on it. Needs to be eaten. <laughs> I always have her cut it in half, so I only go into a half comatose. <laughs> you know, why does food have to look so good when you're on Weight Watchers? One church said the Weight Watchers class will be held in the basement, go through the double doors. <laughs> Diabetics, stay away from bear claw. Their eyes were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. God comes into the garden. They start running. They start lying. They start blaming uh, they sowed fig leaves. God said, you did a lousy job. He kills some animals, covers them with animal skins, kicks them out of the garden. They become homeless for life. Uh, he uh, puts up the flaming sword, cuts them off from the tree of life. And ever since Eden, we've been east of Eden, we've been homeless, and we've been running naked and ashamed ever since and afraid of the voice of God. That's why John said the end of this whole thing is we finally get home to the new Jerusalem when you come through the door, Jesus. If you come to Christ, you can get paradise back. You can be with God forever. Now, here are the D's. No particular order, but let's just touch on them. Write down the D's of the devil that he uses to seduce us. Uh, I'd say, first of all, he disguises himself. He comes as a serpent, but he came to kill, not to be beautiful or wise. He came to kill. He disguises himself, and he comes on looking innocent, but he's only in disguise. So you have to have discernment to say, is the devil behind the scheme? Uh, he distorts the word of God, and he distorts it in this way. He impugns the motive of the Father. You'll get this distortion that uh, in that distortion, he plays and some way is able to create discontent when you've got it all. I, that, it baffles me so much. It scares the daylight. You can have it all and still not be content. I mean, they've got God. They've got the garden. And look at you. What has God already given you? Maybe wife, husband, children, health, finances, uh, whatever the advantages of life, what everybody else is scrambling to get. Reading Time Magazine talking about world income. You'd be amazed that over 500 million people in the world make less than a dollar a day. I said 500 million. What do you make? What are you worth? But I can never be tempted since godliness with contentment is great gain. The devil can't tempt me because I'm satisfied with everything God's provided. 
I thank God for my wife. And you go out one day, and you fall in love with a gal that you're not supposed to be seeing. Oh, I just met her at Starbucks, and whoo, she just seemed to connect with me. Connect? When I first started this church, a couple came out, needed counseling, and they both came, and I never met them before. My office was my brother's house. I didn't have an office. They came, yes, what can I do for you? Would you please perform a marriage ceremony? What, now? Yeah. I don't even know you. What, 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 what's this all about? Well, we both just went to Mount Hermon to a couples conference. Well, wow, that's great. Well, the only thing we both married, but we just feel it's God's will, we get married. I said, wait, 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 let me get this. You went to a Christian conference. You're both married when you went there. And, and, and there's just something happened in the will of God right there that you want, both want to leave. And right now you want to get married, though you're not divorced. Yeah, we just feel like God brought us together. Besides insanity, how do you describe such a thing? The stupidity of it. They weren't teenagers. They are people in the 30s. Yeah, there she was. You mean... The apple was shining. Yes. How would God not want me to fulfill her life? By ruining it. See, the subtlety. Are you getting a little mother, their first baby stays home, gets hooked on soaps, and all of a sudden adultery looks so exciting. Just watch enough soaps. You know, what is it? All my children. And hospital, whatever. It should have been called a hospital. Everybody hooked on it. Need to be in the hospital. But, but pretty soon, adultery looks good, unfaithfulness, being a player, and say, well, I thought you were content. I was until I read that novel. So he starts in with uh, doubt, discontent with the will of God, well, you're the son of God. By George, I don't think the son of God should ever be hungry. You deserve to turn those stones to bread. Come on now. You're, you're God. You're Messiah. I know you made me. In the Greek, he didn't say if you're the son of God. In the Greek, he said since you're the son of God. Satan has never been an atheist. He knows Jesus is God. And he said since you're the son of God, I think you deserve to eat. How could the will of God keep you hungry? Come on, you can do it. Go, go. I care more for you than these angels supposed to be watching over you. And, and Jesus said, no, I'd rather do the will of God than have a loaf of bread. That's what he said. I, because in Deuteronomy 8.3, that all of you folks use when you're tempted, you'd run right to Deuteronomy, right? Because it says in Deuteronomy, man doesn't live by bread alone. My whole purpose is not to satisfy my earthly appetites, but do the will of the Father. And when he gives me permission, I'll eat. And you know what it says? After the 40 days went, he said God sent angels to him and they ministered to him. But the timing was right. It was in the will of God. By the way, you need to play Batman and just jump. Woo! Angels going to bear you up. 
He said, they only bear me up while I do the will of God. I didn't come to do uh, tricks and performances. I can do it. I can fly down this mount if I wanted. But I'm in the will of God. And God told me not to jump. He told me to obey. Well, you don't need to go to the cross. Let me give you a shortcut. Yes, bow and worship me, and I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. You're going to give me the kingdoms of this world? I'm running them. I run the kings of the earth, and I'll give it to you if you bow down. He said, well, I'm going to rule over the kingdom some days, but i got to first go by way of the cross. And the devil said, you don't need to suffer if you're doing God's will. God's called us to a pain-free life. He said, no, before the crown is the cross, I must go to the cross. So he comes to doubt, make us doubt God's word, distorted. You don't want me to taste. You don't want me to know. Distorts the motives of God as though his will for your life is torture, is the worst will if you do it God's way. And uh, he'll deny that there's any consequences with choosing against him. What a lie. Eat the fruit, there'll be no death. If you don't think it's worth, go out to the cemetery and see if there's any two-year-olds in the grave. What sin did they ever commit that you know, they committed the act? But you try, how can an infant die? It goes all the way back to this scene. If you eat, you're going to kill the race. Every baby that's ever died, died because of the choice they made. Physical death, according to Romans 5, came to the human family because of the act of disobedience. That's not fair. Who asks you? When you're God, you get to make the rules. And he doesn't even need a vote. He said, if you do it, I'm going to kill you. Your whole posterity is going to die. In chapter 4, Cain is murdered. Doubt. I mean, young people, don't, don't play with this. Don't play with sex. Don't, don't play with drugs. Don't play with booze. Don't, oh, man, it won't hurt. I want to be accepted of my peers. Your peers are going to hell. Don't listen to fools tell you how to go to heaven. They need you to get saved so you can lead them on how to be saved. They don't need another fool. It won't hurt. It won't hurt. Well, how do you think we've got our streets strewn with wasted lives all over the place, drugs, booze, whatever. We're not making fun. We're saying the devil lied to us, and we took the lie, and we've been burying people ever since. Jesus Christ is the only one who says, when I come, I'll forever change death for my own. But for the unsaved, there's no relief. It's a dark, dark end to a hopeless, Christless eternity. For us, you will see that he's brought light and immortality to light through his resurrection from the dead. I love what my daddy said. When he went through the cemetery, he lit it up for the believer. He installed lights. When we go through there, be light. It won't get dark. Don Malin isn't in darkness. He's in the light. He's in the city where the lamb is the light. He's in the city. No darkness. 
no darkness. Well, uh, doubt, distortion, deception, deny, discontent, desires, and then death. When you pray every day, watch and pray and guard your mind for deception, thoughts, discontent, uh, strong desires that are outside of the will of God for you. Uh, just do you want to do it God's way? I think of uh, you young people. Do it God's way. When I was dating Carolyn, guess what? It's hard to believe, but they actually had discovered sex in the 60s. <laughs> sex and hormones is nothing new. Folks have been, I don't know, somehow they just kept having large families. I don't know. Dumb, didn't know anything. But all the temptations in my youth to be immoral, immoral, immoral. I finally, in the cold, when it's cold, and when I went to Richmond High, you went to the boys' room to get out of the cold. There were so many places to hang out early in the morning. You got there early. So you went to the boys' room. I had to quit because of all the war stories of the weekend, of all the immorality, all the parties and stuff. And I'm trying to live for the Lord. And everybody's telling me to be immoral. You know, all my buddies, come on, man. This is great. Let's do it. We had this party. We slept with this. And everything. Now I'm fighting to be pure. Look like a prude. Out of step. Fleeing. Fleeing. Just an idiot. All those years I could have been having sex. Look at me. God's gift to women, you know. <laughs> Let me tell you about that. Howard Hendricks used to say to us in class, he's bald-headed. How come be my man? About his height. He's about five, six, five. He would say this in front of the class. He'd bend over, and he would say, remember, men, they lusted for me too. You aren't that hot. They're just desperate. They're just desperate. You're not that hot. But you know, you, who I'm missing out on sin. Who I was, that party. Who I knew that girl. I knew those guys. And all this, all that battle, that battle, that battle. Finally, I told Carol, I said, we need to get married. I fought this thing two and a half years. But I said, this is my decision, if you're willing. I'm willing to be poor and pure in the will of God than to wait until we could afford it. Let's just get married. Let's be pure. And let's just be broke, but in love. And so we did. And when I got married, her poor father went into a depression of which he never came out of because <laughs> I had nothing to offer. Jim Snyder bought the tires for my car. Brother David moved me in with it. I had no more. When I started the church, I had no more. What's money got to do with it? I was always broke. Always broke. I had no money. One day, Don told me, he said, it's too late for you. You're never going to make it, have very much money. I said, you got it right. Because I just want to do God's will 
And whatever he wants to give or take, that's up to him. But guess what? I married her as I found her in the will of God. And now, 50 years later, I look back to all the boys that had a big-time boy. They boogie. On their whatever marriage, heartache, pain, some of my buddies have already gone to hell, died at Vietnam, died here, died there, died there. Oh, died with a woman in his arm. It wasn't his wife, but it was his woman. And over here, he said, boy, the will of God, is it gets sweeter the older you get. Every decision you made to do it his way, it was the sweetest. was the sweetest. Don't take the fruit. Moses, by faith, said, I choose to suffer with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I'll take my lot with God's kids. Even if they get beat, whatever, the will of God. When you pray, Jesus said, you need to pray about the test you haven't been given that you're ill-prepared for. He, you remember what he said in the garden? Twice he said it. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And I believe every one of those men wanted to be faithful, but they all failed. They, they succumbed. They were sleepy. Uh, they just didn't know how imminent the danger was, how, how quick they could flee and become a coward in a moment. But they did. And I think they describe you and I in the narrative. We're not the Savior. We're the fleeing men. That's who we are. So who are you? Who's going to get you through this world without taking a minefield? You know, when you read Vietnam and all those shoots they dug, and they would, they would sharpen bamboo, and, they, and a, a GI would come and he'd slip, boom, and he would impale himself on these bamboo stakes and kill him. The devil wants to kill you. He doesn't want you to go to the celestial city. And he's uh, been very successful. I have to share something that came back to me thought of it years ago, but I would just say this for your own edification. I doubt that you would pray this way, but my father never had anyone pastor him, saved at nine, and grew up just a country boy, and riding railroads, and just fled home at an early age, just grew up uh, on his own primarily. So he wasn't taught a bunch of Bible for years, just whatever. But uh, he told me one day we were... Um, Riding along, and he just started talking. He said, you know, uh, son, he said, I had to learn a lot of things in my Christian life coming up for I had so little teaching. And he said, one thing, the Lord had to teach me how to pray. And I said, no, re really, how was that? What's the story? He said, well, I used to, as a young believer, I was going to church with the holiness Pentecostal people, sold out people, you know, just give up all for Jesus. And he said, I used to pray Lord, try me, and I'll show you that I love you. Test me, Lord, and I'll show you I love you. You just, any time. I said, yeah, yeah. Well, what, what was so bad about that? 
He said, well, uh, I'm fighting a fire, Skelly Oil Refinery in El Dorado, Kansas, and uh, fall through a roof fighting a fire, and my optic nerve in my eye was damaged, and I forever lost sight in it, okay? Had the eye, but no sight, okay? Uh, in that same period of time, he and some fellows were breaking down a keystone bridge, caved in with him, covered him up uh, to his shoulders. A stone just stopped within inches of his head, and an African-American man that he was working with got spared their lives. He's telling me all these things. And then, of course, his boy was killed in front of my mother. Okay. Uh, they have Hazel. My mother has a nervous breakdown somewhere in there. Don't know if I'll get all the narrative right. But she has this nervous breakdown. She has a boy, finally, Monty Ray. Doctor kills the baby in delivery. Was drunk. Took the four steps. Crushed the baby's skull. 48 hours later, he's dead. Uh, they prayed for children. He's lost both boys. He's just got Hazel. So then she started having all these miscarriages. And they got desperate. Would you give us one more child? And my brother Paul is that child. My dad said, let me just keep one boy. I've got a daughter. Let me just keep one boy. Just give me one son. So God gave them Paul, David, Ruth, me. He said, after I lost an eye and was nearly killed, saw your mother through a nervous breakdown and attended two fresh graves, I quit praying, Lord, test me. I started praying, lead me not into temptation. I can't take any more. I'm too weak. I don't want to bury any more children. I don't want to suffer anymore. Just lead me not into temptation. And deliver me from the evil one. Jesus said, you pray that way. And the Father would hear you. And Jesus, before he left this earth, prayed for you in John 17, and he said, Father, I pray for my disciples and those who will believe on the word that you will keep them in a sin-trodden world and that you will keep them from the evil one. And Father, I'm interceding for them, and I will continue interceding for 2,000 years. Keep my own in a world full of wolves. You can keep, you can keep, you can keep. And the reason you've been kept and the reason you're still pursuing God and the reason you're not in a big mess is he's kept you. He's watched over you. He's delivered you. Amen? Let's stand. Let's stand. Our Father, we want to praise you for our divine protector, the Lord Jesus. We are sheep among wolves, but we got a shepherd with a rod and a staff that can handle the enemy. And he can tell him, back off, back off. I pray that you'd help us be on our mental alert and put up the weapons of your word to stand in the evil day, taking the shield of faith, the breastplate of salvation, Lord, our feet shod, and taking the sword of the Spirit. Oh, protect us. Somebody needs to represent you in a fallen world and say there's a way you can get paradise back if you come to the door, the door, the way back to God. Come to the Lord Jesus, even as Joan Wacker did. And John came, 
and here, Chad, and all of us, we came one day. We heard your voice. We've been listening to the wrong voice for many years. Finally, we heard the voice of the shepherd. Come, come, and I will give you eternal life. Father, if there's anyone here today drowning in the grip of Satan, break his grip, set them free, set them free in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want you to be praying how during Thanksgiving and Christmas, the next six weeks, you need to make a little list. Do I have 10 people that I know, family, friends, and you, if you'll bring them, we'll preach to them. Can you at least invite them to come? Can you at least take them out to dinner in order to win their soul? If we're going to send a shoebox, why don't you at this season, you've got five to six weeks to Christmas, why don't you start working to pack this place? So, Because I'm going to start preaching the book of Hebrews in December, God's greatest gift. When you've got the best, the theme of Hebrews is when you've got the best, don't go back. Don't go back. Help me bring people to Christ. God bless you.